Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Point View Church. It's so good to see you tonight. This is a, an incredible day in the, uh, in the Christian calendar. It's a sobering day as we just remember what Jesus did and the price he paid. And so we welcome you tonight to, to join us to do just that. Um, I know as I read the passage this morning in my devotions, uh, I was reading in John it's just such a humbling thought to think of the price that, that Jesus paid for us. And so tonight we're here to remember. And I want to read a passage of Scripture to set up where we're going tonight um, from Mark chapter 15. This is uh, starting in verse 22. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Let's pray together. Father, our hearts are are just incredibly humbled tonight as we think of the greatest display of love in history and the greatest display of sacrifice, the greatest display of humility. And Lord, we thank you that tonight we can look back and we can remember as Jesus commanded us to do, to remember his sacrifice. So we set aside this time to remember, to give you thanks, just to allow our hearts to be filled with gratitude and wonder once again, that not only did God become a man, but he took our sins. And they were nailed to the cross with him. And because of that, we are free tonight to be your sons and your daughters. So we humble our hearts and we just pray in this time that you would just reveal to us another level of that love, another under, a deeper understanding of that grace that reached out and did what you did for us. We dedicate this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me tonight?
You're here with us tonight. There's nothing like your presence.
place of sorrow and love. The innocent Savior, broken and bleeding for us. The nails in his hands, thorns on his brow, rivers of mercy endlessly flowing down. The Son of God, high and lifted up, the Father's love came pouring down for us. Yes, He has overcome. There is a place for all who would come. His arms are open, our sins are washed white in His blood. The lost and worthy. Find your home, the broken and hurting, and his love will never let go. The Son of God, I am lifted up, the Father's love came for. This spot is for every sin slain. Our victory, our hope beyond the grave. Yes, he has overcome. Oh, he has Love for me 
you have overcome. We just pause in this moment. The Son of God, fully God, fully man, came down to live a life, a sacrificial life to love, to bring us all together into his kingdom. What great love is this, the joy set before him. He came to the cross. During this day, as he suffered, knowing what was to come, Lord, we don't want to move past the cross. We don't want to just get to the, the resurrection. There is a story. There is truth to be had in the cross, in the pain, in the suffering. There is truth to be had in this moment. God, as we carry on this evening, as we look at your word this evening, would you begin to bring revelation and truth about the cross? in our lives, the need for the cross in our lives. We thank you for this time together that we get to slow down, be together as we reflect upon your beauty. That something so shocking, yet so beautiful is held in this moment. We thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Thank you, worship team. Joe and Anna. Thank you guys for coming out this evening. Thanks, Joe. So we're going to carry on our readings this evening. So if you have your Bibles, Mark 15, verse 33 to 39, we're going to carry on reading the story of the crucifixion. And in verse 33, it says, And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lemar. Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some by the bystanders hearing this said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last 
and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who stood facing him saw that this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. In this season, we are usually attuned to the cross. All of us have lost something this year, whether it's been a loved one or whether it's just a loss of our freedom or life that we've experienced once before. And so... I think last year where Easter seemed more prevalent, it is even more so as we have spent a year in sacrifice in some form or another. We have all lost something. We've all lost a form of connection. And so I just wanted to reflect on the emotional pain of the cross. Jesus, as we read in this story as Pastor Craig opened us up, this king who was last on Sunday proclaimed, as the new king of Israel coming into Jerusalem, those same voices were torn away and tearing him apart, calling for him to save himself, taunting him. Can you imagine the emotional pain and toil in his life that these people who once proclaimed joyfully this king and got behind him have now removed themselves. People that have walked with him for three years, every single day, a moment, have run away from him. Jesus is alone. He is in pain. And it follows on in the passage we just read that this darkness falls in this moment where once there were cries, once where there were people taunting, going about their work, everything ceases with this eerie darkness, this eerie darkness that fills the land. Amos, one of the prophets, quotes this in chapter 8 and 9. He talks about how a darkness so thick would come that this was the coming of the Lord. This cross was draped in a sackcloth of darkness. The taunting had stopped, the cries had ceased work, and everything had stopped in this moment to make aware of the supernatural moment. That God was coming in the great exchange. It's amazing to think in this moment of pain and suffering, this darkness that came that silenced everything. That in this moment, this beautiful exchange was happening. That our sin was being laid upon the Son of God, the perfect Lamb, our selfishness, our pride, our anger, our hate, all sorts of actions placed upon the Son of God. For three hours, this darkness reigned in this moment as the Son of God took upon all our sins. Can you imagine that? To remind ourselves again of this depth, that the sin of the whole world, past, present, and future, was taken upon the Son of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in this great exchange, we see the greatest pain. Jesus, who had been uttering different words from the cross of forgiveness for the woes who were persecuting him, those who were nailing him to a cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, speaking to the robber right next to him, speaking to his mother, all these different interactions, not once yelling, not once yelling any profanity of any sorts or anger or rage to anyone in this moment, yet for the first time, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? 
this beautiful exchange where we gain our righteousness of Jesus and that he weighs the weight of sin causes this perfect union that had started before time had always been the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity combined together for the first time ever was broken. The perfect union was separated. And this painful separation is the deepest pain that you could ever feel. Tim Keller says this, it's helpful to recognize the greatest agony we could ever experience is losing love. Jesus' life is to show anything to us. It's to show that losing a loved one, losing love is the most painful experience you could possibly imagine. Because the taunts, the loneliness that he already felt from people around him with the nails and the beatings and everything. But the greatest pain that Jesus felt was the loss of his father. Can you imagine that? For those of you who have loved ones who you've walked with for years and years, to even imagine losing them is painful. Can you imagine that these two who are so perfectly entwined, who had decided that they would go on this journey for the joy set before them to separate themselves for a time so that the family could grow. This pain was so deep. And as we look at the cross, we see the pain of loneliness mirrored in our worlds. When we look at the cross and we see loneliness being held in the cross, we look around the world and we see this very same pain. This time last year, we were recording an Easter weekend messages. I was with Joe, we were at the Newton building, and we were recording, and I was speaking to the first time to a camera. I had become a televangelist. And now this is why I'm wearing a jacket, which so many people have commented on tonight. You know, the only couple of times I will wear a jacket, a sports jacket, but this is one of them. But it's crazy to think that now that so many of you are watching online as well today, that the message has gone forth out. But there was a pain. We never thought, we didn't know what was going to happen. Were we going to reconnect together? What was church going to look like on the other side of this pandemic? It's funny to think that extroverts entered into introverts' worlds. That we as extroverts who love being around all people, hanging out, suddenly were awakened to the introvert world where we were stuck in our homes and not able to go anywhere. My wife, who's an introvert, and I'm an extrovert, I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I've got to stay in this one place that I can only chat to certain amounts of people. I can't go anywhere. There's no social interaction. And it was painful to say the least. Our working from home on top of that, trying to homeschool children on top of that, routines canceled, we had lost connection. And so the funny thing was is that we were afforded this amazing time to rest. A lot of people were. Um, I know a lot of people didn't lose their jobs, which is such a blessing. But a lot of us were afforded more time to ourselves. And it was funny that the interactions and conversations I had with people, that was some of the people's greatest fears. That suddenly I had more time to be with myself. And this looming kind of fear came over them to be alone meant to be in pain. A lot of people fear to be alone. If we're honest, it's one of the biggest pandemics that we actually have in this world, the fear of loneliness. We try and cover it up with all sorts of things in our walks and lives, but we don't like to admit that we're lonely, that we feel lonely. 
to fear to be alone. We also fear death. The two great struggles that we fear is being alone and death. And death you must face alone. All of us will face death one day, whether you like it or not, and you will face it alone. And it's one of those terrifying things that we just do not talk about. It's the taboo word now to talk about death. We just want to live as long as possible, live as fast and hard as possible. But death has a beauty about it which brings life to us. We have the physical death that we experience, but many of us experience deaths in seasons. We lose friends, uh, life changes of stages of life when we retire. There's shifts in cultures that happen dramatically. So much of these roads of death that we experience on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis, where any moment something changes in our lives and we all experience loneliness in that shift and change. Even good things that come into our lives. Good things that come that change so much that suddenly everything that we knew once was is now shifted and we can feel alone. But as we look to the cross, the loneliness is the journey to salvation. Loneliness is the journey to salvation. A lot of times, especially in my charismatic circles, we don't like to talk about the death of the cross. And what the power of the death has over our lives. We more want to get to the resurrection. We more want to get to the good stuff than let and sit in these moments. Death is to life. Loneliness is the pathway to salvation. Loneliness is a felt emotion that actually slows us down. It actually causes us to be present and it holds us in a space. It refines us and renews this. I love, uh, Dallas Copeland says this, time you feel lonely is the time you most need to be by yourself. The time you feel lonely is the time you most need to be by yourself. The cross itself holds loneliness. It holds a lot of other things. But tonight I do want to focus on loneliness. Because I believe that if we learn to do this right and what God is calling us in and through loneliness, we can live a greater and fulfilled life. And so three things I want to talk about tonight that loneliness draws us to. It causes us to reach up. It causes us to reach within. And it causes us to reach out. Causes us to reach up to God. It causes us to reach within ourselves and to reach out. Love that Jesus leads us in this reaching up. In his greatest pain and struggle, in his suffering, his cry is, My God, my God. He is quoting from Psalm 22, and I'll just read a couple of verses from it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. It's beautiful and honest, vulnerable words that Jesus is quoting from. And so any reader who reads this, who is, is Jewish, is harking back to this verse and framing up the whole of Psalm 22 and what it means. And I love that Jesus is honest with the Father. He's honest with the Father in this moment. And we see the humanness of Jesus. In fact, this moment I feel like is the most relatable moment to Jesus. 
I want to do all the signs and miracles and wonders. I want to be able to love the lost like he loved. But this humanity shines through. How many of you, where you feel like God has forsaken you, have cried out this prayer, my God, my God, where are you? Why am I going through this? Why is this pain coming into my world? My God, my God, where are you? And I love this beautiful picture that Jesus is setting us up for, that we as Christ followers can embody this as well, that we can cry out to my God, my God. And just to carry on reading through some of this Psalm 22, in verse 6 it says, But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. In verse 11 it says, but for he is not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. In verse 16, for dogs encompass me, a cumper of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. Can you imagine those words? Have you ever spoken those kind of words? That God, I feel like everything is encircling me. I feel like I've got no hope. There's no life. I don't know what's happening. Are you that honest with God when you reach up to him? Do you have that vocabulary that says, God, I know that you're here, but yet I feel all this pain. And it's interesting to say that God has forsaken abandoned his son. But if we look at the context of this psalm that Jesus is leading us into, we know that the Father is not far from him. Though sin has blinded Jesus and separated them in relationship, we know that the Father is not far because it goes on in verse 21, you have rescued me. In verse 24 it says, for he has not despised or abhorred the afflict the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. I love that. That God does not hide his face from you or me when we sin. This is the revelation that we need to hear today. That when we reach up God, though we feel separated, though there is sin, there is not a father who's turned away. There is no verse in the Bible that says the father turned his face away from Jesus. A lot of times I've heard people say that the, the father turned his back and couldn't look at his son. What kind of loving father would that be? The father never stopped looking at the son. Seeing his son suffer uh, tormented, saw the weight of the sin upon the world, and the father never took his eyes off of his son. Jesus knew this in John 16, 32, yet I am not alone, for the father is with me. He kept hold of that promise, but it goes to show that sin still separates us. Even though the father never turns his face from us, we lose that connection. And so I think it's important that as we are people who feel lonely, that it causes us to reach up. To reach up. Loneliness causes us to stop being self-sufficient. I've enjoyed this Lent season because, and through the pandemic, I realized how much hope 
that I had in myself and in the things that I owned rather than the Father himself. And so loneliness brought me to a space of needing something greater. God allows these seasons of life for them to come into us so that we can reach up to something greater. Trust him even when you don't hear him. Can you imagine the son for the first time cried out to his father who did the perfect will of the father. He walked with him, breathed him every step of the way, moving on who to heal, who to speak to. And that connection severed. For the first time ever, Jesus would call out to his father and he would hear silence. Sometimes when you reach up to God, you might not hear anything back. But that's not to say that he has not turned his face from you. He is still facing you and he's drawing you ever more closer to him. And so we need to have that posture that we are constantly reaching up. Believing in faith that our Father has not turned his face, even though we may not hear the words back, but in faith knowing that our Father is there. Secondly, reach in. Jesus teaches us to reach in. The psalm, again, is so vulnerable and beautiful about the pain that the the psalmist David was feeling and Jesus echoing those things. It's important for us to go beneath the surface. Why do I feel lonely? What is the lie? Am I good enough? Am I broken? What is going on inside of me? What sin is separating me from you, Father? To reach within and go beneath the surface and ask those tough questions. As Psalm 139 says, to check my heart, God. Know what is going on inside of me. Know and lead me to everlasting ways. Do you ask that question when you become lonely? When you reach up, do you reach within and ask God, what are you trying to do in my life? What are you trying to cut away? What are you trying to refine and renew inside of me to make me more whole, to make me closer to you? There's so many great transformation moments that have happened in the loneliness. We look at Jacob when he was alone, ran away from his brother Esau, and he found Bethel, the place where God met him and he saw the vision of angels ascending and descending. That he met God and shaped and formed him. In his loneliness, he battled God and gained a new name. We look at Moses in the loneliness, 40 years in the desert, met through a burning bush. And in that space of loneliness was re-identified, yet still had all his baggage with it. But in that loneliness, God was refining those people. Jesus, I think about when he goes into the desert place of temptations. A lot of times we think of it as the weakest part of Jesus that the enemy attacked. But actually it was the clever tactic of Jesus that that was his strongest moment. As he fasted, as he was in solitude, that he was at his strongest place to be able to defeat the enemy. The solitude, the lonely place is our strength if we see it right. If we use it to reach up and we use it to reach in. And finally, reach out. Going through loneliness. Going through the cross. What did Jesus gain on the other side of the cross? What did he gain? He certainly didn't gain any more divinity. He was fully God already. He already had the right standing with the Father. He was fully God. I love the picture that on the other side, he gained a family. He gained 
all of us. It was the joy set before him that he endured the cross. That we need to be a people that reach out. Loneliness causes the salvation of a greater family. As we reach out, our closest friends don't know our innermost being. We have thoughts that no one else knows. We have fears that we don't share with anyone. And so it makes us feel isolated, desperately lonely, especially when we long to be known. And for this reason, we have the famous saying that people who are are never more lonely when they're in a crowd. We're never more lonely when we're in a crowd. And to be honest, over this last month, God has just really set this message on, on fire in my heart For a period of time, I went through just severe loneliness. Um, I couldn't explain it. It was like a weight on my heart. I had everyone, loved ones around me, yet I felt this deep loneliness. It was suffocating. Um, I, I just couldn't function right. I remember a Friday afternoon, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just had to stop what I was doing. And I just felt so incapacitated. I didn't know what to do. I was crying out to God, and I was like, God, what is going on in my heart? Because that's my method, right? Johnny, just try and work it out. Just try and overcome it. You've got this. You can do this. So self-sufficient. And it took me to the Saturday night when I was reading through this passage, and I read those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And suddenly it dawned upon me as I was reading this, as I was doing this devotion, that God was leading me in to reach out. I think so often as Christians, we become so self-sufficient that we don't want to let down our God to other people. And maybe we have an okay relationship or a community around us, but loneliness can cause us to be stripped back to reach out even more, to be known even more. Loneliness is the invitation to salvation. It's the invitation to know God more, to reach up to him. It's to know ourselves more. But most importantly, it's to know one another more, to be connected. When we're lonely, we ask the tough questions. It causes us to reach out. And so God led me on this path of actually reaching out And it was funny for me and Rach and our marriage, we married, what, 12 years, and I know we're still young in all of that. But God did something in my heart that arrested, that awakened like a passion and a love inside of me for Rach that I'd never had before. And it was a gift that God was leading me through that I had to feel this loneliness for whatever reason I don't know. And I love that God renews marriages, right? Nothing was wrong, nothing was going bad, but God just set a fire again in my heart. And I love that, but it had to go through the journey of loneliness. I had to experience this pain of like, stop in my tracks. What is happening right now? Why do I feel this brokenness? Why do I feel this pain? What are you doing, God? And so I reached up. I reached within. But then I reached out. And it caused me to experience a greater joy of life. But I had to go through that death experience because it felt like death. And I couldn't explain it to anybody. Nothing physically was wrong with me. Nothing had changed around my environments. But God had enabled and peeled back this moment for an invitation of a greater salvation. Maybe for you tonight, you feel loneliness. Maybe in some area of 
your life, you just feel alone. You feel like you're surrounded by people that love you, but yet you feel empty. Maybe for you watching online, you come across this feed, and uh, for you, you're putting the pieces together of salvation. You're putting the pieces together of what it means to follow Jesus. Is there a God? What is this all about, this life? Maybe God is causing that loneliness inside of you because he wants you to reach up to him. Maybe for you who have been walking as a Christian for many years, feel lonely all of a sudden. Maybe God is inviting for you to reach in and see beneath the surface the pain and suffering because he wants to do a heart work on you. He wants to heal you. He wants to make you more whole. Maybe for you... You feel lonely because really you don't have any friends. The stats are out that less than 50% of Americans actually have someone to confide in. Loneliness is the growing pandemic that we experience. And maybe God is because if, if the message of the gospel is to love your neighbor as yourself, right? That's the golden rule that the gospel, the New Testament writers speak about. If We are a kingdom, and God says, the world will know that I am God by the way that you love one another. My thought is, is that he really wants us to reach out. He really wants us to experience wholeness. Maybe the emptiness, even though you've got loads of people that love you maybe, and you still feel lonely, is because there is someone else that he wants you to be vulnerable with. That he wants you to give yourself to, to reach out. And so as we come into this moment of communion, if I can invite Joe and Anna back up here today. The cross holds loneliness, and I love that. The cross is so wide, so deep, that it can hold your loneliness for you in this season. For that reason, loneliness, it's this amazing opportunity that we have to experience more of the Father. The desire that we can is in reaching out. And as we take communion in a moment, we're going to sing a song together, O Come to the Altar. I love these words in this song. Again, ensuring the Father, this fatherly love that wants to reach out to you. And so as we prepare our hearts right now for communion together, isn't that a beautiful image that we get to commune together? For you online, if you could get yourselves some bread, crackers, juice, because we're going to take communion together. This beautiful picture of us coming together around a Savior who broke, who bled for us. Maybe for you in your heart tonight, there's some things that you need to repent of. There's some sin in your life that's separating you from the Father. And he hasn't turned his face from you. He's reaching out to you, calling for you to reach out to him. Maybe the busyness of life has just taken over. And you haven't had time to even reach within who you are. You've been moving at such a pace that you haven't even been able to take aware of where you're at, where life is taking you at the moment. And so just with every head bowed, every eye closed, Just let this moment be a song which is sung almost over you. Begin to prostrate your heart. Surrender your heart. Begin to ask that question, God, search my heart. 
know if there's any wicked way inside of me. Is there any separation that I have from you? Because Father, I want to know you more. I want to experience life and life to the full. I want to be in intimate relationship with you. Maybe the Father is asking for you to drop down your walls tonight. Maybe there are scars that you've experienced in the church. Maybe you've experienced scars from loved ones and you feel lonely. God is saying the cross is the bridge to pull you back. No matter where you've come from, the Father is not ashamed of you. He loves you. He wants to be in deep relationship with you. So God, we just prepare our hearts for communion right now. We just ask you, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. I heard it broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of sin. Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Christ is risen. 
took bread when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way after he took the cup saying the cup is the new covenant of my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes so today you would take your wafer the body broken by your stripes we are healed in remembrance of the brokenness of our lives that we consume this that we know that this is the pathway to salvation let us eat together covenant of 
blood that washes us white as snow. And isn't it appropriate that it snowed today, yesterday? Uh, we just thank you, Father, for the cup that refines, the cup which makes us whole as white as snow. That we are reminded of your work, that atonement, that beautiful atonement. So we drink this cup with gratitude. We thank you, Jesus. one we hold the bread as one we hold the blood and Lord we thank you for this peace this practice that we have that reminds us as we even look around the room to know that we are not alone that we are together in Christ that in his sufferings we are joined together and in his salvation in his rising again we are joined together that we are not alone that there is Jesus who experienced everything that we have experienced and more, that we can come to this great reconciler, this great hope, this great peace that we have in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I again just lift up those who feel lonely. God, I pray for the pandemic of loneliness that we experience in this world. God, I pray that you would bring about peace to the souls of those around us. God, I pray for peace to come that goes beyond understanding into the hearts of those who feel far away, who feel disconnected, who feel pain, who feel the suffering of being disconnected. For those online watching who maybe don't know you, Jesus, who don't know you. God, I pray right now for the hearts of those who don't know you. Would they reach out to you today and say, Lord, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. Lord, I want to take upon you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. God, I want you to be my hope and resurrection and life. God, we pray that you would come right now. In the loneliness, in the pain, you meet us and you heal us. We thank you for your work upon the cross. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Let's give a clap offering. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Feel free to hang out. For those online, thank you for joining us as well. Have an amazing rest of your night. Join us here, 10.30. If you want, come out, hang out beforehand. Uh, but we'll be on live, 10.30, rejoicing together for the resurrection life. Amen. Have a great night. Take care.